Thank you very much for inviting me to be here with you today. Um, it's an honor to me uh, to be able to be of assistance uh, to the Commonwealth of Virginia, which I've been a happy resident for 20 years now. Uh, this Commonwealth, like many other states uh, around our nation, uh, faces very challenging uh, fiscal environment uh, due to the contraction in economic activity that we've experienced over the last two years. You heard the news, no doubt, uh, that most economists have declared that the recession is over. Uh, what they mean, however, is merely uh, that the contraction has ceased and that not um, and uh, that a, a beginning of recovery has emerged. Uh, what it does not mean is that all our uh, economic challenges are, are behind us. Indeed, this portion of the business cycle um, often poses the most acute challenges uh, for, fiscal, um, uh, for fiscal authorities at the state and local level. And that's due to the typical lag we see in the way incomes emerge um, out of a recession. Having said that, um, I agree with most economists that the economy uh, has hit bottom at the national level and that a recovery is solidly underway. And in my remarks today, my prepared remarks, I'll be focused on the outlook for that recovery, both at the national level and I'll make some remarks as I go um, about the Virginia economy. To per put that current outlook in context, um, I'm going to begin by reviewing a little bit about the, re the current recession and how we got here. And um, As I begin, I should note that, um, as always when I speak, um, I'm speaking um, uh, not on behalf of the Federal Reserve System, uh, but just on behalf of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. In my view, uh, the boom-bust cycle uh, that we've just been through uh, had housing as its central driving force. Um, robust growth in demand uh, for housing uh, increased the fraction of the nation's resources that were devoted uh, to residential investment by about 50% from 1995 to 2005. Part of that demand growth can be explained by healthy fundamentals uh, behind the housing market, such as strong income gains, and low long-term interest rates. Another key driver was a strong public policy commitment at the national level uh, to boosting home ownership, and that was reflected uh, in favorable tax treatment for homeowners, implicit subsidies flowing to the government-sponsored housing finance enterprises, and the mandate uh, those enterprises were given uh, to expand low-income mortgage lending. In addition, there were innovations in mortgage lending and in the securitization process that finances that lending uh, that, were, that helped bring home ownership within reach of a wider segment of the population. That expansion to the access of credit benefited many Americans, uh, but in retrospect, we can see that it was accompanied by lax underwriting standards and overly complex and, and opaque securitizations. Moreover, many borrowers, many lenders, many investors, um, many analysts uh, analyzing these securities appear uh, to have acted as if housing price appreciation was relatively certain um, over time. So in short, the housing boom appears to have been driven by a combination of fundamentals, uh, government incentives, and some degree of overshooting uh, on the part of market participants. During that boom that we saw leading up to 2005, home prices almost tripled. But by the middle of the decade, 2005-2006, um, it began uh, to be clear that the, the boom had gone too far. Vacancy rates hit record highs. 
measures of home construction and sales activities began to fall precipitously. Home prices also began to decline, reducing equity values and household wealth and leading to rising defaults and foreclosures, leading homeowners to cut back on spending. After residential investment began to decline, the rest of the economy slowed and the expansion officially ended in December of 2007. I could cite a, a boatload of dismal statistics, um, but I'll confine myself to one in particular. The number of people employed in our nation has fallen by 7.3 million since it peaked in 2007. So that's the backdrop to where we find ourselves today. Uh, the last few months of data uh, clearly indicate that economic activity has begun to improve. I'll start with housing. Several indicators of sales and construction activity hit low points earlier this year and have risen modestly since then. For instance, single-family housing starts have increased 40%. New home sales have increased 22%. Large numbers to be sure, but coming off of small bases, it should be noted. And there are also signs that home prices have bottomed out as well. One widely followed index of existing home prices at the national level rose a seasonally adjusted 3.3% in July, June, July, and August. Even with these welcome gains, however, housing activity uh, remains well below the pace required to accommodate population growth and income growth on a sustained basis. But that's to be expected because what we're doing now is working off the overhang of unsold homes in many parts of the country. But at least housing is no longer going to be a drag on GDP growth. In fact, it should make positive contributions to, to growth, top-line growth, um, in the months ahead in welcome contrast to the experience of the last few years. The boom-bust cycle in Virginia's housing market uh, showed about the same basic pattern uh, as uh, national markets, but was characterized by a somewhat smaller swing in home construction activity than for the nation as a whole, and correspondingly, a larger swing in home prices. Uh, evidently, the supply of buildable lots was less elastic than on average over the country, and that led to more price increases and less of an increase in the quantity of housing supplied. Having said that, housing market activity in the Commonwealth has stabilized now at a low level, and for the Commonwealth, shouldn't be a drag on growth going forward. Consumer purchases of cars and trucks at the national level also began tailing off in 2007 and then fell very sharply starting in 2008. And sales hit a low point in February, then increased very gradually until this Cash for Clunkers program it, uh, boosted sales substantially in July and August. Clearly, that program pulled forward uh, many car sales that would have occurred later in the year in any event. Uh, so it wasn't surprising that sales fell back uh, in September to about where they were in the spring. What caught many analysts by surprise, however, uh, was the extent to which sales rebounded in October. Now, granted, sales are still well below uh, long-run trends that would be needed to keep the stock of automobiles growing in line with uh, population. But just as with housing, out, the good news is that autos are no longer a drag on growth and should make positive contributions going forward, again in contrast to the last two years. Now aside from automobiles, housing, uh, consumer spending by households uh, fell 2% during the recession, going back to late 07 uh, to the middle of this year, second quarter of this year. But in the third quarter of this year, consumer spending, setting aside cars and trucks, reversed course and increased 1.8% at an annual rate. 
Now that suggests that many U.S. households have recovered at least a modicum of confidence about their future income prospects, um, and it suggests uh, that, that households will grow spending at a moderate rate going forward as well. Business spending on new investments in equipment and software fell at a very sharp 21 point, uh, 21% uh, during the recession. That also, uh, that spending category also has reversed course and registered a small positive gain in the third quarter, a sign that business investment spending is stabilizing um, and could be a positive contribution to growth going forward. In addition to these favorable domestic developments, there's been a worldwide rebound in economic activity, which is boosting the demand for our export industries. As recently as the first quarter, real exports were falling at nearly a 30% annual rate. In the third quarter, they were increasing at close to a 15% annual rate. Um, a sharp, fairly sharp turnaround in the economic conditions in our major trading partners, adding to demand for our exports uh, should boost manufacturing uh, demand going forward. Toting all these favorable demand side developments up, uh, the advance estimate of uh, real GDP is that it grew at a 3.5% annual rate in the third quarter. And that's the most rapid growth we've seen since mid-2007. Uh, so a solid sign that a turnaround has begun. And as a result, prominent academic and industry economists have proclaimed the end of the recession, as I noted, and are looking forward to a, a lengthy period of sustained growth, a recovery ahead in overall economic activity. These forecasts look quite reasonable to me. In the near term, uh, production uh, is going to receive an additional boost as a result of the shift underway from inventory liquidation, uh, which subtracts from needed production, uh, to inventory accumulation. That should occur over the next year or so. And that boost to production will necessitate hiring new workers. That will add to household incomes and add to the stimulus of consumer spending. Consumers, having deferred many purchases during the recession, are, are going to respond to growing incomes with higher spending. That's typical of the period immediately following a recession, and this time should be no different. Indeed, we're seeing the first signs of improvement in the supply side of the economy. Industrial production has increased for four straight months uh, through October. While a significant part of that increase was due to the resumption of auto production at General Motors and Chrysler, even out without autos, even stripping out automobiles, industrial production has increased a solid 1.8% over those four months. Moreover, a survey index measure of uh, at manufacturing activity uh, published by the Institute for Supply Management has risen substantially this year, and it indicates that the growth in manufacturing activity is spread broadly across industries. Um, our own local uh, index um, shows the same pattern, uh, one for the 5th Federal Reserve District, which runs from Maryland down to South Carolina. The new orders component of the national index has registered even more impressive growth over that period, as have ours and a number of other um, uh, regional indexes. Now, that, those particular indexes have a 60-year track record of doing a, a very good job, a highly reliable job of uh, signaling uh, recessions and the end of recessions, recoveries. We don't have any reason to believe we're, we're going to see a break from that track record uh, go, at this point. One key element supporting the recovery is the significant improvement in financial conditions that's occurred this year. Corporate borrowing costs have declined considerably as interest rates on commercial paper and corporate bonds are now much lower than they were earlier this year. Many major banks have sold stocks successfully and now have the capital needed to support 
new lending, even if conditions turn out to be worse than expected over the next year. And although many borrowers face uh, tougher credit conditions, naturally, as a a soft economy uh, makes them a little bit more risky as lending prospects than they otherwise would be, the banking system as a whole, in my view, appears capable of supporting business investment and expansion, if need be. So I've outlined ways in which the outlook has brightened, and that shouldn't uh, take our eye off uh, the ball here. Uh, It shouldn't um, detract from the sense that we face some major challenges now economically. Let me turn to those. Commercial real estate construction uh, is falling right now. Vacancy rates are rising. uh, Property prices are falling. uh, Owners' equity positions are eroding uh, substantially in many areas. Holders of commercial mortgage-backed securities have already taken sizable losses, uh, and there are more losses on the horizon as numerous projects are scheduled for refinancing in the coming year or two. Some community banks have lent heavily uh, to commercial real estate developers and and other commercial real estate projects, and they're now facing rising delinquencies and losses on many of those loans. No one expects a quick reversal of these negative trends, and as a result, business investment in non-residential structures, that is, Instead, not equipment and software, but, but uh, physical buildings and the like, um, is likely to be a substantial drag on economic growth in the United States in the near term. The outlook for commercial construction in Virginia is quite similar, though perhaps marginally better uh, due to the stabilizing effect of the demand for government and contractor space around the District of Columbia. More worrisome for the outlook is the extremely weak labor market. The number of people employed has fallen, as I said, by a substantial amount. That's occurred over the course of 22 straight months now. And the unemployment rate has more than doubled to 10.2 on a national basis, 10.2%. That's a substantial increase in unemployment. Wage rates are under pressure as well. So far this year, average hourly earnings have risen only uh, 2.1% 2.1% at an annual rate. That's about the half. That's about half the rate at which wage rates were increasing two years ago, mid 2007. Going forward, I think overall economic activity is going to continue to improve. Employment will bottom out at some point, and then it'll begin to return to an upward trajectory. Um, but even the most optimistic forecasters don't expect a rapid improvement in national labor market conditions. And we're going to have to carefully monitor employment and earnings uh, for an extended period uh, going forward. Virginia's labor market has fared somewhat better than the rest of the nations this year. Payroll employment has not fallen quite as rapidly. And the unemployment rate topped out earlier um, than um, the national level. Um, It topped out, in fact, um, uh, earlier this year, in the first half of this year, and is edged down now to 6.7% in the month of September. And as a result, total personal income has not fallen as rapidly over the last year for Virginia as it has for the nation as a whole. I expect labor market conditions to improve a bit sooner and a bit less slowly for Virginia than the rest of the United States. Putting the whole picture together, um, I think the most likely outcome is the economy is going to grow at a reasonable pace next year. Um, housing should continue to recover from very depressed levels. Consumers should gradually expand spending 
nothing exuberant, nothing exciting, but gradually expand spending. Business investment should make something of a comeback, again, at a moderate pace. And these components of demand should be enough to overcome the continuing drag from commercial construction. I think Virginia is going to continue to track national trends and may even outperform the nation, as was typical in past expansions. Let me conclude with some thoughts on inflation and monetary policy. Inflation's been running about 1.5% recently. From my point of view, that's ideal. Earlier this year, some economists were highlighting the risk that a low level of economic activity could push the rate of inflation down, perhaps even to zero. I think that the risk of a substantial further reduction in inflation from here has diminished substantially since earlier in the year. The historical record suggests that the early years of recovery is when the risk is greatest, that confidence in the stability of inflation erodes, and we see an upward drift in inflation and inflation expectations. And this risk could be particularly pertinent to the current recovery, given the massive and unprecedented expansion in bank reserves that we've engineered over the last year, and the widespread market commentary that you see uh, expressing uncertainty over whether the Federal Reserve is willing and able to promptly reverse that expansion in bank reserves. As a technical matter, I don't see any trouble here. We do have the tools to remove monetary stimulus as much as we need to, um, as necessary, to keep inflation low and stable. The harder problem is the one we face after every recession, namely choosing when and how rapidly to remove monetary stimulus. There's no doubt that in doing that we have to be aware of the danger of aborting a weak and uneven recovery if we tighten too soon. But if we hope to keep inflation in check, we cannot be paralyzed by patches of lingering weakness, which could well persist into the recovery. In assessing when we'll need to begin taking monetary stimulus out, I will be looking for the time at which economic growth is strong enough and well enough established, even if it's not yet especially vigorous. Although it's hard to predict when that will occur, I can confidently predict that economic policymaking, both for you and for me, is going to remain particularly challenging for some time to come.